Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf, or sitting by a lake in a nice day sipping on a cold one. But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the GM Shuffle. He's got limits to his game. The ball's three feet behind him. I mean, only Inspector Gadget could have caught that ball. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Brian Ortega, with us on the ones and twos. Elliot should be coming back on Thursday from his Christmas vacation. But, Michael, uh, the holiday has came and went. And uh, I just got to ask, what the hell happened in Miami yesterday, man? (laughs) Well, I mean, look, you know, I mean, did you read the Emmanuel Acho tweet that said that it was just unbelievable? I mean, I I swear to God, people just watch a different game. I mean, I've never seen such separate – ability of Tua and how it's just completely is Tua a good player? Yeah. Is he accurate? Yes. It, it, does he have strengths? Yeah, there's no doubt. Uh, nobody's saying he's a bust. No one's saying that at all. Like he, he can function. But what I think the missing key is is I think this propaganda campaign, and it's all fueled by Justin Herbert's greatness, right? It's all fueled to prove that he's better than Herbert, to prove that they didn't blow the pick, that they should have taken Herbert over Tua. Is They should be running the ball and limiting Tua to just his throw, uh, 15, 20 throws down the field, make big plays, mm-hmm. right? Like they're twenty second in the league in third down. They're not, you know, they're they. It's either a big play or no play, right? And so, like, the more – why not run the ball? Why not be more effective? Like, why not feature the run? Why are we featuring Tua? Like, t- to me, I don't get it. And it's all predicated on how the balance of the evaluation is is, to, is shifted. I was just talking to a guy in the NBA who's a Tua fan. One of my mm-hmm. friends in the NBA calls mm-hmm. me and says, can you talk some sense into this guy? And I'm like, look, 
I'll get you a deal at Pearl Vision Center, 20% <laughs> off tomorrow. Go get your eyes examined. Just put the GM shuffle code in there, and you'll get a hell of a deal. Like, we're watching different games, Femi. We're watching different games. I am not saying Tua doesn't do some good things. He does. Mm-hmm. His But his balls hang in the air, okay? You know, and and he underthrows a lot of even the deep throws. He's not going to buy any more time with his movement. Like, there's, he's got limits to his game. And yet we talk about him like he's the greatest quarterback in football. Oh, that ball was – like, Sanchez the other night when they played Buffalo, the ball's three feet behind him. I mean, only Inspector Gadget could have caught that ball. But yet, you know, <laughs> Sanchez says, oh, that that's another drop. Like, I don't understand how people can't be objective about it. He was terrible yesterday, and you know me. I, I'm I'm a to a fan. Like I like. Well, you got a ticket. I, 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 you I got like, a ticket. I, we know I, that. I, I don't have a ticket. I don't, there's no ticket that's there. We, <laughs> I've been searching up and down my apartment, seeing that. Hey, where's this ticket that apparently that I have? I have not found said ticket. So until further notice, there's no ticket for Tua MVP. But he was just downright awful, especially in that fourth quarter. I mean, three straight drives. The last three drives for the Dolphins all ended with interceptions. This game was there for the taking. We'll get into the Packers side of it. I know Big Daddy, I'm sure that was a roller coaster yesterday of a Christmas for our oh. guy Big Daddy. But, I mean, Tua and this offense, they were explosive in the first half. And then just after, at the end of that first half, when they had the fumble, it feels like once that happened, everything just went off of the rails here. How can they be so explosive and make all these plays but then can't do the chunk plays of the, hey, sustaining drives and moving the ball up and down the field? Why can't they do that? Why does it have to be boom or bust? I mean, because I think teams like I thought at the beginning of that game, I thought like, what is Joe Barry doing? Like, you know, what is he doing? Like, why isn't he defending the middle of the field and taking away, you know, forcing him to have to make, you know, tight window throws inside? I mean, give him the outside. How about the throw he made early in the first quarter where he's got Tyreek Hill screaming down and he underthrows it? You know, and Rasheel Douglas is kind of out of position. If mm-hmm. the ball is out there, it's going to be a touchdown. But I think ultimately, once you get a feel for how he's playing and you pack the middle of the field, it bec- it becomes harder. What what I don't get is like I I I don't follow Emmanuel Acho people, and he you know he's entitled to his opinion like we all are, right? Mm-hmm. We, we all are, okay. So, but to me. What what I read, somebody sent me this. He said he said I'm not stressed. The Dolphins still control their own playoff destiny. Tuist has played bad lately, but he's also played elite this season. Like, okay, elite. What is elite about him? Like, I, I mean, he writes that like he's a Dolphin fan. Like, I don't get this. Like, be objective. You're a, you're a commentator. Like, be objective. Like, the guy's hasn't played well against better competition. How about the five interceptions he throws against the Pittsburgh that he does that they don't catch, right? Or four. Might have been five, might have been four. Like, I don't get it. Like, I think a lot of it stems with McDaniel. Like, McDaniel's mm-hmm. got this rep, too, because he's kind of quirky, right? He's yeah. kind of a weird guy, and everybody kind of likes his weirdness and kind of likes the way he acts and, you know, and all that. And he's not a typical NFL coach. Okay, but, like, he doesn't challenge the ball. Nobody says a word, right? Right? Mm-hmm. And, but. You know, nobody said that the broadcast, they don't even, you know, well, you should have challenged that, you know, and then they don't challenge it. He runs for 82 yards against the Packers, which he was dominating the first half on the ground. Like Big Daddy was texting me during it like, we'll never stop him from running the ball. Yeah, you will, because they'll stop themselves from running the ball. They, they won't run it. They'll stop running it. What, I think he had 15 carries in the first half, right? They were chewing and them what, up. They had 15 car- yeah, they were chewing them up, and then and then they stopped carrying it. They had nine, 10 carries for 58 yards in the first half, and then he went five carries in the second. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? 
Like, it, it makes no sense at all to me. Like, I think they've got carried away with this perception that he's, like, Acho's elite. Like, he's a, you got to manage him. Like, you got to manage him. Like, that's my point. Like, he, it's a fact that people think he's the MVP of the league is comical. The fact that people think he's elite is comical. Like, he's, he's not a top 10 quarterback. You put him without Tyreek Hill and Waddle, where's this going? It's not going to look good. It's going to look a lot like we saw a couple of years ago when he was getting pulled for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Tua yesterday was 16 of 25, 310 yards, one TD pass, three interceptions. I thought this was interesting from Matt LaFleur after the game. This is from Dolphins beat writer Daniel Oyafusi from the Miami Herald. He said, LaFleur said, quote, we knew Tua is a guy that's going to anticipate and he's going to let the ball go. But if you can read the QB the right way, that also gives you some opportunities defensively. So a couple of those interceptions, especially the last two late, where it felt like it was either miscommunication or Tua was expecting one thing and he saw something different. Well, I mean, they read his eyes and they break on the ball. They know where he's going with the football. I mean, and the ball's not going to, like, the ball hangs in the air. And sometimes you wonder, like, how does the people break on the ball? You know, he doesn't have a rifle. He doesn't have a great arm. So, he, you know, he's he's got the ability, like, you know, the, the, the Campbell interception, he just, his eyes took him right to the ball. And then he underthrew that. How about the one against cover the one in the, the last two minutes of the game, right? Yep. I mean, you know, I, I, I actually I, I of course it was not said during the broadcast. This is like unbelievable. This should be like you should be penalized for this, right? So remember when it was second and one mm-hmm. down on the red zone in the fourth quarter? Yep. Right? It was second and one, right? Green Bay's got the ball, second and two, okay? And and there's three there's 3.03 to go in the game. Miami does a really smart thing and jumps off sides. So why? No, Of course, the fans at home don't get educated on this. Why? Because right there at second and two, Miami, uh, excuse me, Green Bay has five more plays to run, and Miami doesn't have five timeouts, right? So when they take away that first down, they take away a play. They give them the first down to take away a play. And so now that all that's left are four more or are three more plays, right? Mm-hmm. They went from five to three. They eliminated two plays. But it's not even mentioned. Like, oh, my how Miami jumped off sides. No, that's what they wanted to do. Like, why can't we get that in broadcasting? Like, why can't people make a comment on that? Like, I don't understand it. We're so busy talking about the the you know how great this player is and how unbelievable this guy is and what do we do? Like, talk about the game. So now Miami's got first and 10. They use a second timeout, excuse me, Green Bay. And then they use their third timeout on second and 13. And then they use, and then then Green Bay runs the clock down and kicks a field goal. At that moment, I'm thinking, okay, here you come. Tua can make a comeback. And then he throws that ridiculous Jeez. underthrow over there into the corner. I mean, it was so bad to Gasecki. I mean, it was embarrassing. Tyreek was wide open. <laughs> Hill was wide open there. If he just reads it and then sees where the defender is, he hits Tyreek Hill right there in the middle. Dolphins, Michael, have now lost four straight games. This team was 8-3. and three. People were talking about potentially winning the division, challenging Buffalo. Now they're just fighting for their playoff lives here. And as somebody who wanted to believe in Tua, it's really starting to get hard to defend this guy and watch him play because that final throw, it's, just, it's a premeditated throw. He knew what he was going to do before he even broke the huddle there. These last two games, if they don't make the playoffs, 
it's going to be a long offseason for Miami. I don't know what they're going to do, but Tua has these last oh. two games to show me that Stop. hey, he's Stop, whether Feb. he's worth the damn they're, or not. They're all in. Did you did you oh, listen to man. McDaniel after it? They they defend him like he's like they defend him like it's no problem. Oh. <laughs> like they defend them like it's because they're it, this is all part of the propaganda that comes out of Miami. They have to convince you that he's the the star. You know, I mean, did you listen to the broadcast? You know, I watched 700 plays of Tua last year mm-hmm. and I knew we could build it off. Like it's all propaganda. It's all just to protect themselves because they picked the wrong guy instead of saying, "Okay, we blew it." But okay, we can manage this guy more successfully. There's no doubt Herbert's better. I mean, Acho doesn't even admit Herbert's better. Can you imagine that? You're talking about a discount at to Pearl Vision Center. They should comp him for the rest of his life. Like, like they don't even they don't even they won't acknowledge that Herbert's better. There's people out there that won't acknowledge that. It's crazy. Like, all it's going to take is okay. Here's what we have. Here's what we have. We got to run the ball. I thought the reason they hired McDaniels was because they knew this. I mean, do you think about this now? They have only run the ball for over a hundred yards in in five games. Five games. That's terrible. Right, and one of them was against the Jets when Tua wasn't playing. One of them was against the Jets, right? You know, and so like they don't they don't even want to run. Like they don't want to try to run the ball. I mean, think about it. You know, they're in. They are. Think about this now. Just take a moment and ponder this. They're 32nd in the National Football League in rushing attempts. Wow. They were 8-3, and three, Femi. They're not behind in games. They're 27th in yards. You're talking about a guy that doesn't understand what he has. This is my point. They've created this illusion with Tua, and they've gone down this road. Instead of taking a step back and saying, okay, look, we're, we're 19th in the league in, in yards per attempt. Okay, so let's run this thing a little more, and let's stop trying to feature this quarterback who maybe doesn't really have it all. That's the problem. It isn't whether Tua sucks. It isn't whether Tua's elite. It's the problem is they're not managing Tua correctly. Like, they should be a run-dominant team. They should treat Tua like he's Brock Purdy. Instead, they're treating him like he's the greatest quarterback of all time. And... You know, and this is what you get. This is coaching malpractice. 32nd in rushing attempts. Can you imagine that? That's they terrible. are 32nd in rushing attempts. And they hired the coach because his greatness is designing run plays. Make it make sense. <laughs> that's just that's coaching malpractice, uh, what they're doing down there in Miami. And now they have another tough game coming up this week, going to New England to face the Patriots in what is starting to become a do-or-die situation for this Dolphins team with their season uh, getting off of the rails here. On the Green Bay side, though, Michael, I mean, we mentioned Big Daddy. Uh, what were the texts like coming in on a Christmas day? Oh, I got to get because it. So first I'm, of all, I'm Big sure- Daddy – Big Daddy was in a complete fucked up. I mean, so so Big Daddy's a Nick fan too. So oh, no. now Big Daddy, Big Daddy's Big Daddy tragically lost his wife at a, at a very young age, and so mm-hmm. his one son Nick, who's a doctor, an emergency room doctor, tremendous tremendous doc. I mean, young, you know, got 
unbelievable career ahead of him, right? So he came back for Christmas. And so they went up, they had to go to North Jersey to see his in-laws' parents. She, his, Their parents are still alive. Mm-hmm. So Big Daddy was complex. I'm with him Christmas Eve. I don't know what to do. I want to watch the Nick game. I want to watch the Packer game, but I can't go early. The party don't start till 3 o'clock. What am I going to do? Yada, yada, yada. I'm like, Big Daddy, just drive up there. You know, get it's North Jersey. It was two hours away. Just drive up there and uh and and you know and go see go see them you know and go find a sports bar and then you can watch the game from a sports bar you know they'll have the nick game on and they'll have the mm-hmm. the football game on cuz they're national games you know all right so here we go so now it starts i mean you know i, I mean anyway so i i write to him i said man they're really bad on defense he said that's being kind <laughs> he said two already has 115 yards passing i said it's one play he said, Lazard can't catch. What's the deal with this guy? Zone, more zone, more zone. Barry's horrible. How does Hill run untouched? You know, how is Murphy going to tolerate this? Oh, my God, the fake up the middle. What are we doing with that? This is embarrassing. <laughs> Murphy can't accept this, right? And yet he still has a job, right? So anyway, it goes on and on. And, you know, I'm, so now we get into the fourth quarter. I see said, let's see if the defense can stop him. Of course, he's negative. He said, I said, look, they did, thanks to Tua. And he said, yep, and everyone gets extensions except you. And then I write back to him, except you. Like, everybody, every win, he says everybody gets extensions except Big Daddy. He don't get one. (laughs) Is it it classic? It it must have been a roller coaster of emotions there, seeing that first half play out the way it did, and the, the, the Dolphins couldn't be stopped, and all of a sudden the turnovers start rolling in. That Packers defense, my goodness. They give up 8.4 yards per play, Michael. 8.4, 8.4, and they somehow got out of there with a win thanks to Tua throwing those uh, Christmas gifts in the fourth quarter. Uh, suddenly, though, Michael, when you look at the standings, Green Bay now 7-8. and eight. They, they, they could maybe sneak in to the playoffs. Now, they need to win out. They either need the Giants to go 0-2 or the Commanders to go 1-1 one one to make the playoffs. If the Packers get to the playoffs, do you think that they have the ability to make some noise? No, I, I think the Packers are terrible. Like, I, I heard that, well, you, nobody wants the Packers in the playoffs. Yes, they do. I mean, that defense is horrendous. I mean, that defense is horrendous. Like, it, it doesn't stop anybody. Like, it only the only reason it stopped Miami was because Miami stopped running it. Could you imagine if Miami would have kept running, go play action? Like, seriously. I mean, they, they're terrible. Like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not worried about, I wouldn't be scared of Green Bay as a wild card. Are you kidding me? Like, I mean, poor Rodgers, I, I mean, I mean, there was a moment in that game where they didn't even get the ball to Aaron Jones or 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 uh, or, or A.J. Dillon. I mean, that was horrible. And the receivers, you know, they got the one kid gets hurt. Dobbs mm-hmm. is dropping the ball. They lose their return guy. I mean, I, I wouldn't be scared of Green Bay at all. I think their defense is a huge liability. I, I don't get them. I mean, the, I thought the Rams moved the ball on them. You know, now they the did. Rams kind of got cold and ran out. But, like, I was like, you know – there's no way. That was a game Miami was never in control, yet they had the lead, right? And so that's, to me, is the reason why you got to wonder what McDaniels was thinking. He Even at 20-10, to 10, he was never in, the, in control of the game. And then he fumbles. And then, of course, it's never mentioned. They, they win the middle eight by scoring 10 points, right? So they tie the game. And then they come right out again. It's going to be tough. I don't think Green yeah. Bay's a good team. I know, and and, and that was uh, to me when I'm watching them make all these throws against Green Bay. I'm like, like, of course, two is going to play good against Green Bay. They're terrible on defense. <laughs> and then he decided to throw the ball to them. 
yeah, the Packers, the only reason why you might be afraid of them is just because of Aaron Rodgers. And like, I think the respect is still there for Aaron Rodgers, but his teammates and that defense, uh, woof, that defense is horrendous. And, and, and I don't see that. I couldn't agree more. I mean, they can't rush the passer like you think they could. Yeah, no. That's, I mean, they're 29th. Think about this. They're 29th in the league in yards per attempt on an average, which is the key number, right? And yet, here they are, the greatest running game offensive of mind in all of football, Mike McDaniel. Throw the God, ball. don't say a bad word about him now. You know, he he's 30, he doesn't figure out, like, at what point do you say, what's the strategy to beat the Packers? Like, and here's the thing that makes it really bad if you're a Miami Dolphin fan is your defense sucks, right? Mm-hmm. So if you could play less defense if you're Miami, right? If you could play less defense, you might be actually better. But because you don't run the ball, because you throw, you don't throw, you throw it down the field, you're off the field, you know, possession time is limited, right? You, you get all that, you know? And so, you know, you, you kind of now all of a sudden your defense is exposed. Defense can't stop the forward pass. I mean, what are they? They're, they're like twenty. They're like twenty eighth in yards allowed. I mean, by every metric, they're horrible. They don't create turnovers, and they're supposed to be a man to man team. They can't. Mm-hmm. St- you know, they can stop the run, but they really can't stop any forward pass. And then they play all man, and so you pick on the corner that you want to pick on. Well, Green Bay will keep marching on as they try to get into the playoffs. Miami also trying to get into the playoffs as well. A couple of big games coming up in Week Seventeen. But Michael, let's go down to the desert. Last night, Sunday night football, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers needed overtime to beat the Arizona Cardinals (laughs) 19-16. It was ugly once again. It's a Tampa Bay game. It's always going to be ugly. But, man, what do you make of this Bucs team that they still control their own destiny? They're in first place in that NFC South, now needing only one win over the Panthers to clinch that division. I mean, look, you got to go to overtime to beat the Trace McSorley-led Arizona Cardinals, something's wrong here, right? I mean, like something's mm-hmm. wrong, and and the fact that you know that 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 it took all that to get it, it took Brady to come back from sixteen. It's sixteen to six, right? And you just kind of know that if they could, you know, and of course Kingsbury's not managing the clock. He's not taking the play clock down to the last second, which I thought there was a game I was watching. Oh, oh, I'll tell you who did it. We'll talk about it later. Mm-hmm. Carolina was incredible against Detroit, taking that play clock down to one second. They were so good with that lead. They milked that clock and milked that clock. Like, they got it, right? Mm-hmm. But to me, you know, Tampa, I mean, they can't protect. And when they lost Josh Wells, the left tackle, you knew that was going to get a struggle, right? You know, they can't run the ball, Fem. They ran for 115 last night, but they really can't run the ball. And everything's got to come off of Brady. I mean, Brady's got, I mean, how many, Brady averages over 45 attempts a game. It's like unbelievable. It's crazy. I mean, I don't, and they're not any good on defense. I mean, that's the other thing on defense. You know, they're Vita Vase, none of them are playing to the level they got to play to. I mean, Brady had 48 attempts yesterday. 48 attempts. I mean, McSorley's got 45. Could you imagine going to a game and saying, we're going to have McSorley throw this thing 45 times? And think you got a chance to win it? I mean, <laughs> that's terrible. And James Conner was running the ball pretty well for Arizona. I don't understand why he threw the ball that many times. Connor, I, like, I don't get the strategy behind yeah. it. Like, you got to have to find a way to run the ball. I mean, like, you got to find a way to to manage a, the game so that you give yourself a chance to win. I mean, Hopkins, you know, he almost had that streak. Thank God they found that look pass out there for four yards. I mean, he had ten targets. He had one catch. They couldn't get the ball to Hopkins. You know, I mean, I mean, 
McSorley's thrown it 45 times and Connor's carrying it 15. You tell me what's right with that pitcher. It's just absolutely, it's flagrant what they were doing there. And I'm not sure how much of the broadcast you were listening to, because uh, I know you like to watch the games with the with the sound off. And well, and, the, the and weekend from, when I'm at home, when I'm at home with Millie in the weekend. Now we had the sound off on this one because okay. we were celebrating Christmas with the Berman family. So mm-hmm. I had all you know, but then I had to turn it on when everybody left because Miss Millie wanted to listen to the sound. So yeah. I heard Chris talking about you know this is a big you know it's not too big for McSorley. Like what? Look, I know his dad was in the stands, and I and I'm a father too, and I want the kid to be good. You know, you got to say it in a nice way. Like, this is a little – McSorley's skill set isn't ideal for the NFL. So they're going to have to figure out a way to utilize what he does well. Like, you can't just run your normal offense with McSorley. I'm sorry. I think my favorite was when Collinsworth was talking about, hey, he just needs time on task. When he threw the ball out of bounds, I'm like, he has a guy. Just throw it inside. He has DeAndre Hopkins. He might score a touchdown. He said, he just needs the time on task. I was like – I think that's a bad throw, man. That's not time on I've never seen it like, why are we so afraid as announcers to describe what's going on? Like, why are we so afraid? Like, you don't, I'm not saying you have to be a jerk or you have to just dehumanize the person, but like, okay, here, look, McSorley's limited, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he's going to have to, he's going to be challenged going into this game. They're going to have to limit his throws. They're going to have to modify the game plan. You know, he's going to have to be accurate on the short throws and get the ball. And they're going to have to take the play clock all the way. Like if you're Kingsbury, I'm taking the play clock all the way down to one second, no matter what time of the game it is. I want to reduce the game as much as possible. I don't want my quarterback to be in very many third downs. He's in 19 third downs in the game. 19. That's 19. He converted five of them. That's terrible. On the other side, though, as well, and I tweeted this out because through three and a half quarters, Brady wasn't playing well, and and, and Collinsworth was dancing around it all game long. Just oh, like, he's not gonna say yeah, it. and I get like Brady's the greatest of all time, so like you don't want to be the guy that's out there crushing Tom Brady on national TV. But like we always say on our podcast, if we see it, we got to say it. And the way that they were just kind of handling that with kid gloves is just like, yeah, it's just there's something off. I'm like, he's throwing the ball behind guys. He's not connecting with Evans. Like, like we can say he's not playing well. That's not saying that he's not yeah, the I, best of all time. Yeah, I mean, it's like he wasn't. I mean, and their offense is off. I mean, there's no symmetry to the offense. They can't get anything going. They get in a third and two, and they can't get. And they can't. They were six of seventeen on third down. I mean, they were six of seventeen on. They averaged five one a play against the Cardinals. And then they get the red zone, they're one for three in the red zone. You know, and so, I, I don't know. Look, is Brady pl- not playing well? Look, I could tell you. A lot of it has to do with the supporting cast around him. Mm-hmm. That offensive line, he's getting hit. He, he wants to throw the ball too quick because he knows he can't hold it. He knows he can't. He's not going to take a sack. He didn't get sacked again yesterday. He didn't get sacked again yesterday. Because he's getting the ball out so quick. And when you get the ball out quick, you're not getting it down the field. He has the lowest Mm -hmm. yards per attempt in his career. Yeah, they were just sitting there clogging those kind of short passes there because they knew that, hey, he's not going to throw the ball over our head, so we might as well clog up these uh, intermediate routes here. So the Bucs go ahead and win. They're now 7-8 and on the season. They'll have to beat the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers, Michael, we'll go real quick on this game. They just absolutely trucked. The Detroit Lions, uh, my uh, Lions, Dan Campbell, 200 to one ticket to win coach of the year. That's probably going by the wayside. It'll make for a nice coaster maybe on the New Year's Eve. But the Panthers, 320 yards on the ground. They absolutely punked. 
Detroit in the 37-23 win. Yeah, I mean, when you watch this game, right, from the very first play of the game, so Deshaun Elliott from Baltimore is not in the game, and they want to play mm-hmm. nickel. I mean, the one of the things that I think we don't get enough of from coverage on the games is how you match up to certain formations, right? So the Lions, the, their ability to play better defense, a, a lot of it happened when they just went to nickel. They stopped playing base, and they got faster on defense. But when they had Elliott, they had like another linebacker in the game. And so he made a lot of tackles. When they removed Elliott, because he was hurt last week, mm-hmm. that opened up the door. That opened up Pandora's box. And so all of a sudden, you know, Carolina kind of shifted their run game a little bit. First play of the game was a counter they hadn't run all year. They pinned it. They got a big run out of that. They used they they used Hubbard. They used the Foreman. They used Blackshear. I mean, they were really good. They kicked the living dog. They punched them in the kneecaps. I mean, think about it. They ran for 320 yards. After running for 21 yards the week before, you know, so they just took him to the woodshed, and the game, the game kind of changed when Goff fumbled. Mm-hmm. That they're going into score, and Goff fumbled, and from that moment, then Carolina went 90 yards down the field to score, and then the game changed. It was, and it wasn't because they got turnovers from Goff or the fumble. It was that one fumble, and then they just dominated the game, and they took the game over, and then once they got the lead. They kick the field goal at the end of the half to go 24-7. They start the second half. They stop Detroit. They sack him. I was disappointed with Detroit's offensive line in the game. And then they stop Detroit, and then they score to make it 31-7. And then I thought they did a great job of milking the clock. They really took that play clock way down, and they just kind of just kept getting first down. So they knew, you know, that, that Detroit was going to make a comeback because, let's face it, when they lost J.C. Horn, which I think is going to be a big injury this week, you know, that became a problem. Yeah, it was just a good old-fashioned butt-whooping. The Panthers, really impressive what they're doing here. Steve Wilkes has galvanized this team. They didn't quit, and now they find themselves two wins away from going to the playoffs, which is just absolutely crazy. But, Michael, let's take our first break. On the other side, we'll get to the game that had me stressed out on Christmas Eve. Eagles, Cowboys, next here on the GM Shuffle. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf, or sitting by a lake in a nice day sipping on a cold one. But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. All right, Michael, down in Jerry World, Christmas Eve evening, we saw the Dallas Cowboys beat the Philadelphia Eagles 40-34, to an absolutely wild game. The Dallas defense doesn't force a punt in the entire game. Somehow they forced four turnovers, and they get a much-needed victory as the Eagles' NFC East celebration will have to at least wait another week. I mean, look, we we but we said it last week. The Dallas defense is on the ropes, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, and I think that that game last week proved it, right? That they did, and they were able to get two turnovers in the fourth quarter, which essentially won the game for them. But to me, you know, I, I felt like that they're vulnerable. Like you give up thirty-three. I thought Gardner Minshew. This is they threw for the most most second most yards since the Tennessee game. Tennessee was the most yards they threw for his Philadelphia offense. I thought Gardner Minshew was really good. I mean, you know, the one interception, the, the guy takes the ball away from the receiver, one mm-hmm. gets tipped, and then they fumble. The two fumbles kill him. And so that, that would, that's what affects them. And they have a chance at the end of the game to come back down the field. They take it 56 yards. I thought they made a mistake, Femi, trying to, to spike the ball. Why give up a play there? They had first yeah. and 10, run a play. And they gave up the play, right? They spike it. 
And I think if they had to do it all over again, they probably wouldn't. But when you turn the ball over three times in the second half, you're probably going to lose the game. Yeah, they had, they had a timeout as well before they spiked it. I'm not sure why they decided to spike it, but uh, Dallas gets the victory in that game. What did you make of Dak Prescott? Because he started the game awfully shaky, obviously, with the interception to Josh Sweat. He takes that back for the touchdown. Everyone's saying, oh, shit, here we go again. Dak is turning yeah. the ball over. But then he responded, and he responded in a big way, 27 of 35, 347, three touchdowns, and no bigger play and no better throw the entire weekend than I thought than the third and 30 to T.Y. Hilton, just an unbelievable throw. And also on the Philly end, how the hell does that happen? How do you do that? Like, what are we doing? Third and 29, and we give up a third. I mean, that's the game, right? Yeah. I mean, you're going to get the ball back there. You're getting the ball back there. Third and 29. I don't know what the hell they were in. I mean, Slate looked like they were playing three, or were they playing two? Like, if you just play Tampa two there with basically three cloud, you cloud the corners, you got three people. Like, how are they going to get 30 yards on you? Like, think about it. How are they going to get 30 yards on you? And, and yet you get, they give that up. I mean, that, that was essentially the game to me. You know, and I don't, I don't know how they blew the coverage or what they did, but clearly there was a lack of communication on that. I mean, because at that point in the game, you're at third and 30, right? Philly's up 34 to 27 and going to get the ball back, right? Yep. You're going to get the ball back. And you got a chance to now go up 30. You can go up 37-27. You can go up 41-27. You can put the game away, right? Mm -hmm. and, and you let yourself down. I mean, because, you know, when Prescott got sacked, you know, I thought for sure when, when Riddick sacked him on a couple plays before that, remember this? I thought they got yeah. the Eagles got the ball. Same. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was game over. And so then they go from first and 10, second and 21. They go to third and 30, and they get a first down. Like, seriously, that, that – that is this. That's to me of all the things that went wrong. That even though that doesn't count as a turnover, that really was a turnover for Philadelphia. You know, that really was a turnover, and that that essentially allowed them to hold serve because now they come back and score, and make it thirty four thirty four. Now we're playing tennis. Everybody's holding serve, right? Mm -hmm. it, it was just a, it, it was a crazy throw. I mean, I'm I, I was ready to write the game off after they. The, the two sacks are on Prescott. I was like, oh, damn, we're just going to lose to the Eagles, and this is going to be a bad thing, losing to Minshew on Christmas Eve. That's not what you want. And Dak made a play, and, and that's something that he's been under scrutiny of making plays in big moments, and that's a big moment that you're going to need in the playoffs. Get this, though, Michael. I mean, T.Y. to T.Y. Hilton, I mean, think about it. This game, <laughs> signed the Eagles ago. are in control of this game with 10 minutes to go. With 10 minutes to go in the game, the Eagles give up a third and 30. Mm -hmm. They give up an interception. And they fumble, and you want, and they and they only lose by six. It's a hell of a roster, man. It's it's a hell of a roster. We talked about it all summer. This Eagles roster is is one of the best. But in the last three games that the Eagles defense has faced, Dak Prescott, they've given up forty one, fifty one, and now forty. This Jonathan yeah. Gannon thing, when we talked about this, is in the summertime, and you talked about it a lot when they played good quarterbacks last season. The ball was never hitting they are, the ground. They start is this going to be a problem when they get to the playoffs? Because there's not a whole lot of established quarterbacks, but let's say they face the Cowboys again in the divisional round. Do you think that this could eventually be a problem for Philadelphia and prevent them from going to the Super Bowl? Well, I mean, I think it's going to be a concern. I think whenever they face, I don't know if it's as much the quarterback, whenever they face a really good coordinator, right? When they face somebody who understands how to attack them, 
You know, I, I think that that could be an issue. I mean, look, it could be. So who is that? Can Minnesota attack them? I, I don't know. I mean, they attacked Minnesota, got the lead. Minnesota scored the lowest point total of the year that game in game two. But that probably doesn't count. But go through the let's go through the quarterbacks that Philly has played in this Gonzaga schedule. <laughs> you know, they got Kenny Pickett. They got mm-hmm. Davis Mills. They got uh, Heineke. Then they come back and they got Matt Ryan. Then they go. They got Rodgers, and you know Rodgers threw for two thirty six against them. But you know, then they come back with Tannehill. Then they got Davis. Th- then they got uh, 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 Jones, Daniel Jones. Then they come back with Fields, and then so they really haven't played a quarterback. I mean, and let but but in fairness to them, where are the quarterbacks in the NFC? Brady's not having a great year. Rodgers isn't having a great year, right? You know, Washington's going to go to Wentz. They have to. I mean, the Heineke's a nice story, but it's, he's at the end of the rope. Like, he's a backup. I think he's proven that. He can win a couple games, but he's a backup. So, Daniel Jones has got to be managed. He's not an elite an elite uh, quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, Cousins, I, I mean, Goff, prob- I, I would say Detroit, if they make it, would give him trouble. Yeah, especially with that Detroit offensive throw line. throw it on him. Yeah, that offensive Detroit line can throw maybe- it on him. Now, I think they beat Detroit, but I think Detroit could make it an interesting game because Philly, you know, they'll have to play Philly differently. Like, they'll have, they'll probably have Elliott back. They'll play the run a lot better than they did against Carolina. I mean, that would be an interesting game. Philly will win, but I think it'll be an interesting game. And that's a game where you take the over if those two teams match up there. I think they'll have. It was like I took the, I recommended on the show on Saturday. I said, take the over in the Eagle game. It was two, I thought that over was a cinch. Would it end up seventy four? Yep. Right. <laughs> I mean, like uh, that. There were both teams are going to move the ball in this game. Like this notion that Gardner Minshew wasn't going to be able to do anything was a joke. Now they only ran for eighty seven yards. Mm-hmm. You know, the last time they played the Cowboys, they ran for one thirty six, but they only threw for one thirty two. Minshew definitely is what you want from a backup quarterback. Three fifty five, two TDs, two interceptions, but he he more than held his own. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Minshew and Tua, how how much separation are there from those two players? It's not a whole lot after what we saw this weekend. Yeah, there has to be, according to the eliteness. Like that's my point. Like Minshew and <laughs> Tua. I, Tua's better. Yeah, he's I'm a, not Tua's a better he's player. He's not better. Tua's a better player. He's a better player. But is he okay, but this is why this is what happens to us when we talk about players. We don't grade them. We just talk about them, so we really don't understand it. Like, to me, in, in the New England-Cleveland Brown grading system that we developed there when I was there and Bill was there and everybody, we, we all worked on it, you know, it was a, you know, he's probably, two is a 62 player, undersized, you know, the highest grade you could give him would be a 62 in the system, right? Well, Minshew's probably a 59 in the system. That's the highest grade you could give him. Undersized, probably going to be a backup, could start some games. Where two at 62 could start some games, he's going to need better players around him. My point is, you see the difference? Mm-hmm. They're close. But if you talk to Acho and all these other people that love him, you think two is an 8-0, even though he doesn't meet the height and weight and size requirements, he would be the exception, which he's not. And then Minshew's a 59. There's that, that, that's my point. Like, I remember telling somebody in the league that we're looking for a quarterback, I said, why don't you trade for Minshew? He's better than Baker Mayfield. He's, he's Baker Mayfield, but he's better. No, he's not. He doesn't have as much as strong as arm as Baker. Okay, maybe he doesn't, but he plays the game better. 
He's a, he's a smart guy. I, I covered him when he was at Washington State. He's a smart guy. He knows where to go with the football. He just has his own physical limitations. But outside of that, he at least knows who he is as a player, which I think is what makes him a productive player in the NFL. Um, the crazy, yeah, no game, doubt. Yeah, the, the crazy game that we saw, though, Michael, <laughs> I mean, we say this every week with these guys, the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, come on. Every single week with these guys, it goes down to the wire. They beat the New York Giants 27-24. Greg Joseph makes a 61-yard field goal as time expires. Another game where the Giants are probably flying back to, to the Meadowlands saying, how the hell did we lose to that team? But the Vikings pull it out nonetheless. I mean, the Giants average, what, 6-7 a play? They hold Minnesota to 5-0, you know? Uh, and, you know, look, they, they fight their way back in it. I mean, when Daniel Jones throws an interception on the in cut, I thought the game was over. And, you know, then... They went for it on fourth and two, and they don't get it. And so then the Giants come right back down, and then they drop a pass. Oh, my God. They drop a pass. Oh, so bad. It's going to be a first down. And they try that field goal at 55 yards. That was gutsy. I didn't think they'd make that son of a gun. And he makes it. And then they get the ball back and get the two-point conversion, and then they give up the play at the end of the game. I mean, there's no way. When you walk in – let me ask you this. When you walk into the, the circuit to do this show, is Kevin O'Connell's picture on the wall to not let in? Because, I mean, is there anybody luckier in all your life than this guy? It's every week with this guy. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not saying he doesn't do a good job. I'm not criticizing his coaching. I, I, I like Kevin, and I think Kevin's done a really good job. But, I mean, the thing, he's got a horseshoe up his – I mean, this is, like, really lucky. It's every week. I don't think he's allowed to come to Vegas, honestly. <laughs> I mean, think about this. The Giants in the fourth quarter alone, they give up an interception – they get a punt blocked, right? So mm-hmm. they, they give away three points on the punt block, right? And they they still end up coming back to tie the game. I mean, <laughs> it's remarkable. And and Minnesota gives up yards like they don't, it's nobody's business. Mm-hmm. They, they, you, can, oh, you want yards? Go ahead, take all the yards you need. I, I just don't see how they could beat a good team. Like, could they beat San Francisco? No chance. I don't think Could they beat you. Philly? No chance. I mean, Dallas proved they that that you know. Dallas killed them when they played. I was all screwed up on that game too, Femi. I'm watching that game, and I know it was a whiteout in Minnesota, and Minnesota were white, but I was used to the Giants wearing the white, and Minnesota mm. being in the you know, like I was like, screw, weren't you screwed up on that game? A little bit. It, it took me a little bit. Of, I'm like, okay, wait, okay, that's the Giants. All right. <laughs> yeah, because you, I wasn't really watching that game. I watched it this morning, but I wasn't watching that game. I was going back to it. Like I was looking at it on on all sorts of, uh, I was looking at it on all sorts of different, you know, like the red zone or, or on my computer. So like when they would show a highlight, I would be like, oh, wait a minute, I gotta go. Who is that? You know? Yeah, it, it was weird. I mean, it was like the whiteout for Christmas that they were doing out there. They had the end zone white and all that stuff, but it was a little confusing. Uh, what's not confusing though is the amount of times that this team has played with fire, meaning the Minnesota Vikings, and for some reason they still don't get burnt. Uh, they've now won an NFL record, Michael, 11 one-score games this season. I- I- is there something that we're missing? Because I'm sure Viking fans are listening to us and be like, what the hell are you guys talking about? We're 12-3. and three. Get off our asses. But is there something that you think that we and maybe even the betting market that continues to undervalue this team, is there something that we're missing with what they're able to do late in games? Well, I think they make clutch plays. I mean, their best players make plays. So why do the Raiders not win close games? And why does Minnesota? There's two teams to really kind of study. You know, Cousins has played big in big games. Carr hasn't played big in big games. I mean, that's just a fact. I mean, we'll get to the Raiders later, but I mean, you watched it Sunday night. Yeah. 
I mean, the last play of the game, he's got he's got Hunter Renfro running down the middle of the field for a touchdown, and he throws a I don't even know what the hell he threw. I have no idea. Third and ten, third and five to get a first down to keep the, to keep the Steelers from getting the ball back. He throws it over to Mike Tomlin, like eight yards out of bounds. And meanwhile, Adams is doubled on the play, and he's got and he's got the inside dig route wide ass. So I could see it on the television. So like, oh, that's the reason. Their best players make plays when it matters, or their quarterback makes plays when it matters. Some of these teams that lose close games don't make those plays. The NFL is always about three or four, five, six plays you got to make to win the game, right? Mm-hmm. It always comes down to that. And who makes them? Like, who makes them and who doesn't make them? And I think you got to credit Minnesota. When they're timely. I mean, go back to that game when they played against the, the Miami Dolphins. Even though Miami had all the backup quarterbacks on the field, they punted 13 times, I think, in that game. But they made timely plays. Yeah, credit, credit to the Minnesota Vikings for being able to make these timely plays. Like I said, 11 one-score victories this season. That's an NFL record. But think about this, Femi. Think about this now. Mm-hmm. Think about this. Since they played Buffalo, they've only not allowed they've only not allowed less than 410 yards once, and that was against the Indianapolis Colts. Think about that. I don't see how that's a winning formula in the playoffs. But hey, I, I don't either. I don't either. But they don't turn it over. They protected the ball. I mean, against the Colts, they turned it over. You know, and against the Lions, they turned it over. But for the most part, they protect the football, and they don't even get turnovers. They don't even get them. It's but, angels but they in the make outfield. plays when they have to make the play. Like Dalvin Cook takes the screen and goes for a touchdown. Right? You know, they go mm-hmm. thirty-three yards in eight plays to kick a sixty-one-yard field goal. And did you not doubt that that kick was going through? <laughs> it's the Vikings, of course it was going to go through. Uh, Michael, let's take another break, though. On the other side, we'll get to the best of the rest from this week in the National Football League. We're this close to crowning an NBA champion. With the action heating up on the court, it's even hotter at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, we're halfway through the series. You can bet the finals MVP. You can bet different props. If you have strong opinions on the series price, it's all available at DraftKings. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text hope NY 467 369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 789 7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, Michael, let's get to Saturday night. We saw the Pittsburgh Steelers in an emotional game out there in Pittsburgh honoring Franco Harris. It was the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception like we outlined last week there, and they get another pretty uh, fantastic finish for the hometown fans there. They beat the Raiders 13-10, to outscoring Las Vegas 10-0 in the fourth quarter as the Steelers keep their hopes alive for the playoffs and also knock out the Raiders. 
you know, it's another game where we could keep saying the same thing every week with the Raiders. They don't make plays at the end of the game to win a game. I mean, they just don't. I mean, you want to go through its chapter and verse. I mean, you can go through all of them. I mean, you, when you go back to the beginning of the season and, and they're not getting the production that they need to get. We talked about it in the last block. I mean, how do you win close games? Your best players have to make plays. You know, why are you six and nine? You know, I mean, I, I mean, I, I sit there and watch the game and, you know, they got a chance to beat Arizona. If they just make a couple plays, they turn it over. They fumble, right? They got a chance to beat Tennessee. They get the ball down the red zone. They can't score. You know, they, they got a chance to beat Kansas City, can't score. You know, the only game they haven't had a chance to win was the New Orleans game. And this game, to me, was really the most disappointing of all. You know, I mean, like, okay, we go back to the Ram game. The car's got Devontae Adams wide open for a first down. He throws the damn thing in the middle field, gets picked off. Like, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing here? Like, right? Mm-hmm. Like, when it's hard, we when it's hard, we got to make plays. You know, and, and, and I almost lost my shit, Femi. I know it's thanks. I know it was Christmas Day, Christmas Eve, but the, when the Raiders forced them to punt with, I think, 440 to go in the game, I'm thinking, okay, we got to get two more first downs, game's over, right? Got to get mm-hmm. two more first downs, knock the game out. Now, it's going to be hard to run the ball. It was hard for the Raiders to run the ball than the first drive of the game. We got third and five, a third and five play, and he throws the ball out of fucking bounds to a receiver that's double covered. Like, how do you do that? How do you make $30 million a year and make that throw? And when, meanwhile, if you go back and watch the play from the television, he's got Waller, who's the number one option, wide open in the middle of the field. Just make a throw. And then at the end of the game, all they need is a field goal to get in the field goal range. They got, to, they got the ability to get down there. He's got, he has a wide open. Did you see how wide open Hunter Renfro mm-hmm. was on that play? Yeah. And I mean, he didn't it wasn't even in the same area code to Renfro. It, is Carr going to be the Raiders starter in 2023? I mean, I don't know how. Look, I think there's certain quarterbacks that when you go in the locker room, there's all the hype hyperbole that's outside. Mm-hmm. Like Russell Wilson, how does he how does he convince the locker room he can win for you? Like, at some point, how does Carr convince his team he can win for him? You know, that I mean, you saw Jacobs blow up after the game, right? Yeah. I mean, he's all pissed off. Well, I mean, we're watching the same tape. Like, I mean, I know some people watch different games as it relates to it. But, <laughs> like, I mean, it's not that hard to figure this out. Like, either Carr's not – either Carr, it, you got to sit down and say, is it Carr? Is it the scheme? Like, what is it? Like, where is it? Like, why won't you throw the ball to Devontae Adams to the one-yard line? It's wide open. Why won't you throw the ball to Waller on an inside route? It's wide open. Like, how do you – like, they, the, they're they seeing the tape. They all see it. It's got to be – They all see it. it it's got to be incredibly frustrating for the guys uh, on that team to kind of continually go through this over and over, and it feels like week after week – Games that they should have won. I mean, there's a version of the season where the Raiders are like ten and four or something like that. Like, like I don't and understand. They're not any good. I mean, they're not any good. Let's face it. The Raiders are not great on defense, and they lost Perryman in that game. They lost yeah. Chandler Jones in that game. I mean, they're not good. I mean, they need they need two more drafts to become good. But in the interim, if they had more, if they could get better production from the quarterback position, they could be a lot better. It could be. A, I mean, and I'm not talking about making spectacular plays. I'm just talking about making. The Brock Purdy plays. Just throw the ball inside. Okay, there's Waller wide open coming across the middle of the field. Bang it to him. 
I mean, there's Hunter Renfro screaming down the middle of the field, wide open. All you got to do is get it to him. If he makes one guy miss, the game is over. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, to me, if you got to sit there and say, okay, moving forward, where are we going? You know, so many people think that, you know, that like I had Carr as a blue chip, a red chip player. Mm-hmm. He's not playing like a red chip. Let's just be fair. The tape doesn't lie. The tape doesn't lie. And so he doesn't have any guarantees going into next year. Like, I mean, I just think to me, they got to have a hard decision. Do they, they have to answer the question. Do they think they can fix it? Do they think it's just because he doesn't know the system and it's new to the system? Or is this just who he is? That's the question that they have to answer this offseason. I know all the Raiders guys were mad. Josh Jacobs was mad. But there might not have been a more, a more mad person in the country than, than Mad Dog 2 in the Circus Survivor who was 46 seconds away, Michael, from winning $6.133 million if the Raiders beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. They lose. The competition goes into to Sunday on Christmas. And then Mad Dog, unfortunately, had the Dolphins as his survivor play loses. So the swing <laughs> could have been a $6.133 million win for Mad Dog if the Raiders just held on and won the game. How much you think you think he sent in car a Christmas gift or what? I mean, think about it. So now what happens last Carson, night? The three guys had the Bucks. Is it over now? No. So the, the the two people who had Tampa, so the competition will continue into week seventeen. That is guaranteed. Because I think it was two people that had Tampa. One person has the Chargers tonight. So if the Chargers win, right, then so they'll have three left. The, and so is it what winner take all? If you're the last person standing, you take all of it. Wow. It would have been six, and, and there's there's never been a lone survivor. It's always been like four or five people, and then they split the pot up and all that. So this is going to be the hard. I mean, it's the hardest year of all to pick winners. It's hard to pick winners in any game. I mean, you know, it's it's just hard. I mean, this is because of the bad quarterbacking play. I mean, if Carr plays half decent, the Raiders are going to win that game, yeah. and you'd be six point one three million dollars richer. <laughs> instead, now and so now you get a lump of coal on Christmas. Because the, the competition extends into Christmas Day, and unfortunately, Mad Dog 2 picked the Dolphins, and Tua threw the game away there in the, in the fourth quarter, and then you come home away with nothing. Just yeah, it's I mean, unbelievable stuff, honestly. <laughs> uh, let's keep it moving, though. We got two more games to hit, Michael. Uh, the Bengals almost blew this. They got out to a 22 uh, to nothing lead at halftime, and they were cooking. Burrow MVP, all the stuff was – they had it going. And then the second half happened. New England almost comes back and beats Cincinnati 22-18, the final score. Cincinnati improving to 11-4 on the year there. I know a lot of people point to that Ramondre Stevenson fumble deep inside the red zone as kind of the turning point in this game here. But, Michael, what did you see in this contest? Well, I mean, look, this was in a game that wasn't even close at halftime. I mean, the Bengals were dominating. They were getting everything they wanted. I, I don't know why he threw it 52 times, Zach Taylor, in the game. He only threw 12 incompletions. Can you imagine that? They averaged 6.1 yards, 6.8 yards per play. I mean, they were dominating this game, and I think they they probably should have tried to adapt. I mean, they should have kind of kept it under control, but he throws the bad interception. That that gets them back in the game. And then the fluky, you know, throw the ball, and it gets tipped to, to for the touchdown. Look, this game comes down to full, the, the extra point. We said on the, morning, on the Lombardi line, extra points are going to be hard in these eight weather games, and I think that yeah. proved to be true. And since he missed an extra point, and the Patriots missed two of them, and which end up costing them at the end. And so, look, I, I mean, again, this is another week of the Patriot offense. Just, I, I mean, whatever you want to say, they can't run the ball. They can't protect. To me, all the conversation around the Patriots 
uh, you know, who Matt Patricia play caller, you know, the offense, is Mac Jones good enough, yada, yada, yada. At the end of the day, to me, I think where this team has really broken down the most is, and I'm not saying the play design and the play calling is great, I'm, the offensive line, the lack of technique and fundamentals in the offensive line has really been most costly. That I think that as Patricia's overloaded, trying to do one job, call plays, and mm-hmm. coach the offensive line, which is the most important, I think has become the hardest thing of all. And it's really, and they're paying a price for that. They have no, they have no continuity with their offensive line. They can't protect it all. And Mac Jones is under a lot of pressure all the time. I'm not saying Mac Jones is playing good at all. I, I mean, I think this is clearly a case of no one's playing good. But mm-hmm. the fact that they stayed in this game was remarkable. And the fact they had a chance to win this game and the fact that they fumbled on the five-yard line going in again, this has been so unlike any Belichickian team I've ever seen. It's somewhat remarkable. They keep turning the ball over at, 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 a, at a rate that they, it just doesn't make any sense. And, you know, when they run the, they run the fullback belly in there to get the clock. I mean, you know, when they called the play, when they called the play, I'm watching the game, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, they got first and five at the five, right? And there was a minute five to go in the game, and New England still had all their timeouts, right? I don't think I don't think I think that Cincinnati had one timeout left. So I think what they wanted to do was run the ball there, see what they could get. You know, they got to get a touchdown, but they wanted to get that one timeout away. And then he kind of fumbles the ball. And this is two weeks in a row they've given the game away. Although this is a game I don't think that New England was ever in control, nor were they in the lead. I think Cincinnati allowed them back in with their turnovers. It would have been a ski mask victory for the Patriots if they won this game there. But like you said, this is a team that used to always find ways to win. Now they're finding ways to lose, which is something that we've never seen from a Bill Pelichick coach team here in New England. Final game, Michael, that we got to get to here. The 49ers, they just ran off the commanders on the field there. Yeah. They beat them 37-20. to 20. It was a little closer than the score suggests here, but Purdy, once again, uh, a third straight victory for the Mr. Irrelevant seventh-round draft pick, 234, two tees, one interception. Taylor Heineke, we see him get benched as the uh, the clock has struck midnight on this uh, Heineke story here. Yeah, I mean, look, the commanders did what they wanted to do. They held the ball for 33 minutes, right? They were able to, you know, they had 69 plays in the game. You know, they were 53% on third down, and they just couldn't stop them. I mean, they couldn't get mm-hmm. them under control. They couldn't stop the run game. Gave up 153 to them, 7.3 per play. I mean, when they're clicking like that, San Francisco's hard to beat. And Washington, to me, I don't think Washington's a great team. I think they got to go back to Carson Wentz. Not that I love Carson Wentz, but Heineke, to me, it's a nice story. He's just not good. He makes enough plays to make you interested, mm-hmm. but he doesn't make enough plays to keep you interested. Mm-hmm. I like the way you put that. Yeah. He, he he makes plays for the other team as well. They finally started to That's catch right. those interceptions. <laughs> they finally started to catch them. All right, Michael, we'll take our final break here. We'll get to the awards and then preview Monday Night Football on the other side. All right, Michael, let's hand out some hardware. The Fred Palermo best game plan of the week. Who's that going to? Well, I think you got to give that to Carolina, right? I mean, I think they did a great job. We didn't talk about Houston beating Tennessee, but, you know, I mean, Tennessee's a wounded team. But I thought mm-hmm. to run the ball against any NFL team for over 300 yards, you deserve it. I thought that was an awesome job. On the lamb. I think any quarterback who has the last name of Wilson should essentially <laughs> go on the lamb. I think that's probably right. I think that's probably right. I mean, look, I, I, I don't know how Russell – I mean, I was on Denver yesterday. I gave out Denver as one of my oh, plays. No. What an idiot I am. Yeah, seriously. I thought they would play well. 
I thought they would play well. I'm an idiot. I, I, I admit it. I mean, like, that was horrendous. But here's, to me, the bigger issue is they didn't even show up. If you're George Payton and you watch that game on, on, on a national televised game, you show up like that, there's more problems than just a bad quarterback. But, man, I'm tell you something. Russell Wilson, he's not even cooking in the cafeteria. Like, seriously. This guy's making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. That's all he's doing. It was really bad from Russell Wilson. I had the Rams plus three. I don't think I'll have an easier winner in the rest of my betting career, Michael. I was sitting back enjoying the whole thing. It was a, a rocking chair winner, as like we like to say there. Uh, if you don't know, now you know. I think Jacksonville wins the South. I think they go into Houston. Mm-hmm. They lost to them earlier this year. I think they'll play better against Houston this time. I think they'll win the South. I don't think Tennessee can turn this thing around. Not with Malik Willis playing quarterback. There's no chance. It's interesting. People have been kicking around the idea of both the Jags and the Titans resting their players in Week 17 because the games are quote-unquote meaningless since it all is going to come down to the Week 18 game. Would you uh, get behind that, maybe arresting some of these guys that have some nicks and bruises? Well, I mean, I think if you're Tennessee, you have to. you got to be healthy. That's your only chance you're going to have. You know, I think if you're if you're Jacksonville, you got to keep playing well. Yeah. I think you got to keep playing well. But I think that's why that line's only four. Yep. I was surprised that line was only four today. There's, there's not much incentive for them to go out there and outperform expectations. They just are worried about winning the game there, so it makes sense why that line is down at four. The David Ogilvie Award, biggest fraud, Michael. I thought Washington giving up 7.3 a play. You know, against San Francisco, they gave up 30 points in the second half. You know, I, I mean, if they told me Washington was going to score 20, then I thought they might have a chance to win it, but they gave up way too many points. They didn't play to the level they need to. Now, we know Dallas is – Defense has been fraud. But to me, when you go, the way you measure a defense is who you go against, against the quarterback. Not that Purdy was an elite quarterback, but the offensive scheme, mm-hmm. they didn't certainly match it in this game. Yeah. I had Commanders plus seven. That was not a fun experience to watch that game. Finally, Monday Night Football Chargers at the Colts. The Colts right now at DraftKings, three and a half point home underdogs, and the total is yeah. 44 and a half. Chargers can clinch a playoff spot with a victory tonight here. Michael, how do you see this shaking out? I mean, I, I took it. I took the Colts at four and a half. I thought that's too much. I think three and a half is the right number. I think three, three and a half, it should be. I think the Colts will play well tonight. I think Gus Bradley knows how to play, knows Herbert. He knows Joe Lombardi. He knows the mm-hmm. offense. I, I don't think they're bad on defense. I think they'll play. When you get embarrassed like the Colts do, you're going to bounce back. On national television, if, if Saturday in the park has any chance to keep this job, he's got to keep this game close. That's why I think the Chargers will win. I think it'll be less. I think it'll be like like the Giant game. I think it's a three yeah. point game. Same. I'm w- right there with you. I took the Colts plus four. Chargers by three is what this feels like to me. And they go ahead and clinch that playoff spot. And then we'll get Brandon Staley in the postseason, Michael. That's going to be a fun January out here in this NFL season. All right, that does it for us here on the podcast. Uh, fun week as always. We'll talk to you guys on Thursday to preview Week 17. Thank you to you, Michael. Thank you to our producer Brian Ortega on the ones and twos. Thank you to all the thank listeners and viewers. Thank, thank, thank you to Thank you to Pearl Vision Center. Center. We got to get them to sponsor the podcast eventually one of these days. <laughs> thank you to DraftKings and Beeson, and I'll talk to you Thursday, Michael. Thank you. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf, or sitting by a lake in a nice day sipping on a cold one. But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York.